Darkness. 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 <laughs> darkness. 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 Join darkness. But that's also probably why I can listen to a podcast and read um, journal articles at the same oh, that's time. That's fucked up, dude. I can't. There's no It's crazy. Way. I don't know how your brain can okay, so possibly I, process I have that. like, I couldn't even listen to a podcast and train at the gym. There's no, <laughs> there's no way. I, I listen actually, to podcasts exclusively I, I when I train at the gym. Satan. Yeah, no, I listen to one. That's, no, I would just get distracted. It's bad enough even with music. I'll no, just kind of go like, oh, wow. Whenever I and listen, I'll start thinking about something else yeah. with hypervisualization that I possess. Whenever I listen to Nicole, one of Nicole Byers' fucking um, podcasts, if I'm doing like chest, I can't because I'll laugh while, while I have like 40 kilos in my hands yeah. above me and I'll laugh and be like, oh, fuck. I'm going to <laughs> I'm die. I'm going to die just because <laughs> she's dangerous. so funny. Um, I mainly listen to... Um, anti-health and wellness podcast whilst working out, which is such a fun little juxtaposition. Mm. Um, personally, I like that a lot. It's resistance. It's resistance training for the mind and the body. <laughs> <laughs> listen to something contrary while you do something. If you can listen to a podcast about why you should quit music while you play the music, <laughs> you have truly won. It's like a memento mori for your hopes and dreams. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, it, it's funny with with like learning to to use all of the software and stuff for streaming and doing all the Twitch stuff. It's been really funny having to learn all of that and not be able to visualize shit when I read or not be able to take in information from reading because mm. like a lot of instruction booklets and stuff are useless to me. Yeah, and that's why I'm so fucking grateful to live in like the YouTube era of shit oh, because that's what they're for. It's just like yeah. somebody going like. All it takes is somebody literally saying out loud what I could have read in the booklet. And I'm mm. like, gotcha. Easy peasy. That's sweet. That's all you had to say, book. Idiot. <laughs> yeah. Because like, I can't fucking, because like, again, I get three steps in and I freak out. Or like, mm. this is one of the things you were talking about in the numbers episode. Yeah. Like with fucking Excel spreadsheets and shit. If I get two steps deep into this, I'm fucked. There's no yeah. way I can fucking continue. But if somebody again was to lay it out by saying it to me, mm. I've got it. I'll teach it to someone else. Just fucking say it. Yeah. And also, like if it's if it God. is in visual form as well. Yeah, like exactly. diagrammatic. Yeah, like I, I never would have been able to learn how the gears work in the car without having watched the videos and they have the diagrams of them spinning and I can kind of go... I can, I can see it. I can see that it one's now. moving faster than that one. I believe you. Mm, I wonder sense. if audiobooks would be good for you. Um, About gears. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> probably. Yeah. Because the I, thing is, it's, it's whether or not I would choose to, to do it because I've gone for so long. Because the thing is, I, I need glasses and I don't wear them. Mm, yes. And also I, I have like, you know, attention issues. Yes. And stuff. So like reading a page over and over again is not an enjoyable experience. And so like I've had like very little practice at actually reading shit, whether that be like a book or a fucking poetry or whatever. Mm. Most of my sort of fiction-based stuff has been my own output, like just me kind of like putting shit out there. Mm. I don't really have the room for recreation when it comes to reading or stories or anything yeah. like that. I just kind of do them. That's yeah, fair. And especially, That's fair. Yeah, no, exactly. And especially when it's like, when something takes like work to enjoy, yeah, it can be very much less appealing. Well, the fact is, if I was able to be medicated for some kind of attention shit <laughs> and, and like wore glasses and shit, yep. maybe I'd become like a really fun reader. 
leave me alone, darling. I'm neck deep in mine cup. Like it's just. Like- <laughs> I have um, I have bookends on my bedside table. Why? I'm not why even. I'm not. Cup? I'm not even. I'm and just, why next to so many other books? I'm really <laughs> passing through that. I, I'm knee deep in the Communist Manifesto. Could have been fucking Anne of Green Gables. Yeah, like, why? I have bookends on my bedside table because I have four books going. Almost it's constantly. extremely aesthetic. Please, yeah. um, I'll say. It. I feel like you are like the general grievous of. <laughs> Like that's it's a character from Star Wars. I know, I know. I'm trying to I'm many trying arms, to, many lightsabers. So I'm many books. Yeah. Kenobi, yes, that's to my collection. Listen, just it's a funny joke. No, I got I'm, okay. So I knew who the character was, but I was trying to figure out what you were meaning. <laughs> I was meaning hello there. I was, I was, I was. He's almost a collector. Like, I, but I was also going. Should I be insulted or should I be feeling? In a way. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Cool. That's how I felt. I felt like it's like close enough. One thing that I've given up on is in a positive way, or, which is <laughs> all hopes. <laughs> no, it's just reading stuff that from genres that I just don't give a fuck about. Like I used to have this idea mm. of like, oh, you need a balanced diet of genres. It's like, no, I, I only broaden my horizons. <laughs> I, I just that. want to read sci-fi books, and I don't read, want to read anything else. Yeah. And this is the life that I have, so I don't Eat care. Shit, <laughs> judge me, I'm reading this again. Mm. Meanwhile, I'm like yum 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 existential fiction. Thank you. Sweet. <laughs> yum, yum, yum 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 yum. Help me. Why are you reading that? <laughs> When you could be reading the first man in the moon. In the like, moon. The first man in that's the HG moon. Well, I'm pretty sure is. that's an episode of Wallace and Gromit. <laughs> what? <it>? No. <laughs> we just bought that. No. Oh, we Wallace just totally and believed Gromit. you. It's uh, like a dolphin wolf or something. <laughs> a dolphin. So it was underwater. <laughs> okay. Um, Actually, so dolphins don't sound like that. They're kind of like. I feel like you're doing dolphins real dirty. Here. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like dolphins they're not are horrific and I love them. All right. Anyway, great way to start an episode. Hello, everybody. <laughs> here are Samuel's thoughts on uh, dolphins, the noises they make, and how that reflects on their um, personality and value to this this planet, uh, which is not what we're talking about today. However, <laughs> <Thank> God. <laughs> I suppose in a way, kind of marine life does play into today's topic because there's kind of like an ecological basis to this whole discussion. Indeed. On the Music and Everything podcast today, we're talking about salvage. 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 The more salvage. you say that word, the weirder it sounds. Salvage. Salvage. <laughs> Sa- how, okay, so... Salve? Which is what I've written on my notes. All right, Sam's notes say S-A-L-V-G as the... Yep. Good. All right. Sam is the chief investigator <laughs> today as well. So spelling aside, he has spelling all of the aside, relevant information. I have some of the relevant information <laughs> in front of me and within my mind. Mm. And it's, it is a fascinating topic because it's hard to define it as one single thing. 
unlike cars, which we could probably say we know what it is, yep. um, salvage is more like a sort of category of ways of thinking. I just cracked my neck in the best way. Um, Satisfying. So, you know, salvage could mean that we've um, rescued stuff from the bottom of the ocean. Mm-hmm. It could mean um, that we an old ship which is uh, broken, we've recycled bits of, or it could mean that we've recycled... Um, uh, you know, on mass, you know, plastic and metal, or it could mean that we've recycled something that uh, could have been thrown away, but instead you've turned it into a. You've used it again. Yeah, you've used mm. it again. Um, I think of two things when I hear the word salvage. The first thing that I think of is obviously the the deep sea one, the first one you mentioned. Mm. I think of ocean salvage. The second one is I think of that like ubiquitous character from all sci-fi, which is like the the one guy that's kind of drifting through space in a small kind of semi-broken ship, and he's always got some kind of skin condition, and. Um, is like salvaging parts and coughs all the time, and yeah, like wow, so he, Jesus, he, that is really isn't everything. You know what it? I'm saying? And he and he, you know, like goes into all of the ships to grab just what's left of these these war torn husks and hulks yep. in space. That is not what today's episode is about? <laughs> question mark. I think it is what today's episode is about. It is, is about. now <laughs> because also the way that salvage and recycling and waste is sort of and that whole topic area is really shown in media is also like really interesting. Yeah. Um, like that was just one you just pulled off a trope. Yeah. Well, technically, I think it's a motif, but whatever. It's a trope. It's a, um, it's a cliche. Cliche. <laughs> <laughs> of sci-fi. And you also got like, you know, I think Blade Runner is an amazing example of portrayal of like the opposite of salvage and recycling. It's showing the wasteful world at its worst. Because mm-hmm. yeah, if you haven't seen the film Blade Runner, and also it's a little bit more obvious in the sequel 2049, mm-hmm. um, where there's huge wastelands of... Landfill, essentially. Trash. From, yeah, from of trash. Trash. I love how, like, all of our examples are sci-fi examples yeah, almost exclusively. And I respect yeah, listen, it. Listen, by now, they know. They know. <laughs> they know. <laughs> they know. You know. <laughs> Let us speak of the word salvage. Salvage, yes. Salvage. Go on. Yes. Yeah, so the etymology of salvage I'm is interesting. Assuming because it comes from salve, salvete, from uh, the Latin. Um, it comes safety. Yeah, to be safety. safe. Yeah. Yes, it's related to safety. So it comes from Old French. Obviously, it comes from Latin originally. Yeah, Let's yeah. just take the journey with yep. me. Yeah. All right. Um, Old French salva, which means to save. Right. Um, and that in turn is from Latin salvus, meaning uh, uninjured, in good health, safe. Mm-hmm. In the various meanings would, of that. You would greet someone by saying salve. Yep. Oh. You know. As in the, salutations. Oh. And also Let's salvation. Let's etymology dump. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even give a fuck. Yeah, wow. Salvation. Salvation. salvation yeah. saved, yeah. No shit. Oh. Or a salve for one's ailments. Oh, a salve. Oh. See, because I just call that salve. I love that, like, Samantha's just been our hype guy for that whole oh, session. Shit. She's like, oh, Fuck <laughs> shit. I'm about to wreck this whole man's whole career. <laughs> and Salvation. Uh, so that actually comes from... <laughs> From Latin, it goes deeper to the Proto-Indo-European yes. roots, which are mostly hypothesized. Mm-hmm. Which I don't fully understand how that's possible, but hey, they probably said that. <laughs> probably, you know what I, I reckon mean, they you know, said. You know what those people are like. Um, yeah, so it's a sort of suffix of like "sol" or "sole," meaning whole or well kept, which is also the root of the word um, "hollow." Sorry, um, "H-O-L-O" um, as a prefix in Greek, so hologram. Oh, hologram. Holodeck. Oh. <laughs> Um, uh, back into space, yep. But also that in turn is the root of the English word whole, which is related, of course, to the concept and word salvage. <sighs> okay. Fuck yeah. Okay. There's, there's actually a Sanskrit word as well that comes from the same root called sava, um, meaning uninjured and intact and whole. Well, wow. this is an etymology 
dump. <laughs> Animology, <laughs> Animology massacre, <laughs> train wreck. Jesus Christ. Okay. So, so wait, have, a, have a fucking cigarette and relax. So like, ev- like all across the languages, they're just like, we need a word that means to keep this thing unharmed, and they all or to went, make it, so, or to make it. Yeah. Preserve something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really cool. That's sick. I think that's I how you get that. to the word salvage in English by the mid 1600s, but it didn't have the same meaning. So the contemporary meaning of salvage is sort of meaning um, rescue, you make the best of, that sort of thing. Even to the point where colloquially it's like, you know, hey, this conversation's going downhill, let's try and salvage it by, you know, so it's like the, yeah. something yeah. that is in disrepair needs to be kind of like, let's fucking let's just, sort oh, this This out. work project completely yeah. died. Like, I'm sure we could salvage something salvage out of this. Yeah, something like, out yeah of let's this. take yeah. bits and pieces. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's actually a really commonly used word. Yeah. And the more I thought about this topic, I was like, this word is really like a big part of the way we speak every day. Mm. Um, so it didn't mean that, so it meant that it was sort of a payment that you would give somebody if they rescued a ship from danger. It was protection money. Wait, wait, <laughs> wait. Pay wait. salvage to, so the, to some, the protection yeah, racket. Literally. Someone would rescue a ship and yeah. then that person that rescued the ship would be given money for that. Yes, in commensurate with, with, the, with the goods. In the ships. You better, you know, you gotta, if you don't pay me, the pirates might come and get your shit. You gotta pay the salvage, you know. And what you're implying is, of course, what did occur. Fuck so, yeah, let's go. It's a protection uh, racket. <laughs> <laughs> Over time, there would be, a, a, because this became a legal principle, and in fact, a very old one that predates this word by about, I don't know, a thousand years. Okay. Um, a legal principle that exists still to this day, um, which is basically called, like, colloquially, though, the war. The, the war. The uh-huh. law of salvage. The, the war, war of salvage. salvage. That's sci-fi that shit right there. That is an episode of Deep Space Nine for sure. <laughs> the law of salvage, um, which is a maritime law, and it's basically principle. Any person who helps recover a ship or cargo it's in peril at sea can be entitled to a reward commensurate with the potential so loss. So you attack a ship taken and go like, I saved it. Yeah, yeah. So that, that actually, <laughs> those groups of people became known as wreckers. Um, so... Okay, so there's an interesting historical background to this, right? So in the 1500s, this is the time when uh, ship trading is becoming a thing globally. That's because, like, boat tech TM has occurred. Like, (laughs) (laughs) boat tech. tech. (laughs) We've got ships that don't sink automatically. And as a rule... It's just float tech. (laughs) (laughs) Float tech. It floats. They're better boats um, and they can go further. Mm -hmm. But that wasn't the only reason why traders went further. Um, the other really big reason... It was really windy that day. It was really windy. Um, The other reason was insurance. Okay. Um, So... Did not see that direction actually coming. So the reason is, is because insurance was basically invented around the same time, that kind of financial management. You mean, like, paying somebody to... For, like, this might go poorly, so I'm going to pay yep. for this thing and they can and give me money if things go badly type that's situation. That's right, yeah, yeah. Why, why would they ruin everyone's life why? by no, introducing because insurance? They, because that way they don't care about the loss of life of their crew as long as they get the money for their yeah, ship Yeah, so they back. can send the ship further and take increasingly risky ventures. So that meant that they were going further, but it also meant they were carrying more. So they were carrying insane, like, higher values of things. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the birth of piracy. As yeah, well. like, this is like, well, higher value of They're going like, I have an idea. <laughs> <laughs> I could plait my beard. <laughs> yeah, so risky. It's very wholesome. Yeah, that's so nice. That is wholesome pirates. It's nice. Um, yeah, so, like, basically, like, 
the insurance industry be profited greatly from this because boat tech was still very poor. So shit sinks. <laughs> shit uh, sank to the bottom. Now, yeah. this isn't just to do with piracy, though, because um, breath hole divers would go down and get the stuff because there's like tons of wealthy, valuable stuff that's not really that damaged. If mm. it's just like, I don't know, some jewelry or something, you could, you could, mm, yeah. if it only sunk three days ago. Fucking chuck yeah. it on. Yeah, pry the hands off the. Off the chest, whatever, yeah. like you have to do. But what like, is this, like a treasure planet situation? Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> I love it. You went to the sci-fi, the sci-fi version <laughs> of Treasure <laughs> Island, <laughs> Treasure Island, rather than just Treasure Island. Yeah. We, buy, we bypassed the original yeah. into sci-fi into, for our own protection. Yeah. So now, of course, like sea divers have been doing that for like since forever. Since, since there were boats, um, there's records of that in ancient Greek texts and stuff. But. Um, in the, by the 15 and 1600s, this had actually become like an industry where people would profit again from uh, diving down and salvaging the boats. Now, they wouldn't use those words at that time, but this is the birth of, the, of that sort of concept in maritime salvage. Right. Yeah. So that's how we get an evolution happening. Now, it takes hundreds of years for the word to change. So, like, uh, it becomes a verb as in salvage, like we, use it, we can salvage this. Yeah, to salvage. Um, only from the late 19th century. Really? From about 1889, yeah. Like, we can uh, save as in from a fire. Oh, I managed to salvage the record. It's okay. But previously it was... No, it was still referring to that concept of maritime salvage where you are you pay someone for saving you from peril. So it is a noun. Yeah, yes. exactly. Pay it was just a noun. Salvage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Mm. Yeah, as you said earlier, like, it's not like... Yeah, it's not, it's not a verb at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it becomes a verb, and but then it takes on a new meaning in the 20th century. So it's still not our meaning yet, right? So... The meaning recycling material yes. um, doesn't happen until 1918. Oh. Okay. So salvage is a noun for we have some salvage here, i.e. we have some recovered or recyclable goods, goods mm-hmm. or the verb to do, recycle all of this wasted material, not just damaged, but wasted stuff. Mm. That's only from the First World War when they sent out salvage teams oh. to, to oh. like salvage like um, guns and yes, clothes and things that weren't being used And anymore. then it became <clears throat> a verb to salvage. Yeah, to what salvage. What the fuck? That's such a long yeah. journey. Mm. As a word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but a lot of it's driven as well by like the necessity of... Uh, a, people trying to make as many dollars as they can by sending as much as far as possible and then all the way through to more loss of human life in a wartime <laughs> context of like, you know, we've sent so much shit that's been blown up and sunk to the bottom, we need a whole team for this. And yeah. now we have a handy little verb for our ecological yeah. choices. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like that comes up again during World War Two, where people, you start like, well, salvage is not really the quite the right but thing but people like then end up taking like waste metals and stuff to be smelted and refined into other because yeah, the munitions, demand, so demand gets so high yeah. and they don't have they're not able to manufacture new stuff so they start taking mm. new stuff and recycling it into something else yeah so um a, a beautiful definition that of salvage that i think kind of is 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 quite uh Holistic, I don't know, wholesome, big, wide. Um, Holistic is the word you're looking up the possible meanings and delivers it to us in a spoon. Let's go. Um, By now, the meaning of salvage has stabilized to the point where it can be paraphrased. The discovery of hidden value or use in what appears beyond repair or sale, or at the least a wager that the already ruined might still have some element worth saving, providing one knows where and how to look. Nice. I love that because it covers also, it covers what we just talked about, but it also covers contemporary stuff about like, um, repair culture and things. Mm. Yeah. That's from Evan, Evan Calder Williams in uh, the Journal of American Studies. FYI. Yeah. Cool. Sorry, I, love I just that. should have done a citation voice. I'm sorry. <gasps> I love that. But I love that because it's like it's hitting on 
all of the elements of like the recycling principles, downcycling, upcycling, that whole process, um, which is downcycling is the process of when you recycle it, it, the product gets slightly worse and upcycling is when, or worse in value. And or worse in oh, output. I was going to say, worse, like, why would you do this? <laughs> no, like, yeah, and I this turned sucks. a coffee machine so, like, into pa- a really shit coffee machine. So, like, I broke the handle. Paper, <laughs> recycled paper is a down cycle because the structure of the it fiber is, is kind gotcha. of slightly, yeah. it's like altered. Whereas you can upcycle things where you can like do something and make it a higher value item. Yeah, so, actually, let's talk about this because yeah. we've talked about a lot of like early modern stuff and the development of the concept of salvage and salvaging mm. materials, but like, in the modern world, recycling is kind of what we're thinking of here yeah, for the most that's, part? Yeah, that's the, that's the main mechanism of action in which kind of salvage happens. So um, I uh, recycling is basically finding a new use for something old is how I've kind of conceptualised it from everything that I've read. But what it basically means is this process of taking something, reverting it back to its raw materials, and then changing it into something else. Um, so... We put it in the yellow bin. Yeah. So when we when we kind of are recycling, because I also I kind of include composting as a kind of recycling in that way, a kind of salvaging, yeah. because it is still it's transforming waste into something else rather than it staying the same. I mm. feel like there needs to be a transform transformation process, and also a, like an interaction process, because that's like if if your waste just happened to go out there and change to compost and whatever, that's just nature at work. But you, yeah. as the human engaging in the act of composting, yes. <laughs> that's salvage because you're yes. interfering with the process. You're making it happen. Absolutely. So recycle- here's my stinky pile. Exactly. <laughs> it's mine. It's mine. No one else can touch I my don't pile. Want you to fucking touch my stinky pile. So recycling may seem like a kind of modern environmental movement. I feel like a lot of people, we've been hearing a lot more about recycling, a lot more about these processes. Lots of slogans, that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, and it, it's kind of often linked to the environmental movements of the 70s, but it's actually it's actually ancient. Was that the, was the 1970s when they created the logo for the like the recycling image? <gasps> I hadn't thought about oh, the logo, actually. That's I saw, a logo. Really I saw good this photo. Question. Yeah, I saw this photograph of like the dude who created it with someone and they were workshopping it and kind of like looking at it and it's just like kind of them posing with the Because it's with the, the arrow, it's the three it's arrows. It's the arrow, but it's also like a Mobius strip yeah. looking thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is such a good logo. Yeah, and like because it's so ubiquitous, we see it everywhere. It's been part of our lives of our generation. I say our generation. I'm including you in my generation. Please. I am. <laughs> Let me I have am. this. I'm right at the end. Let me have this. I'm right at the end. How? Like 10 years yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm in the elder man. Yeah, and I'm yes. the younger. Very good. Very good, very yes, good. Yes, our lives are... But you're right. Like, it is a really... in And, like, I love that because it, the th- I, it's got the three different strips, which often were also attributed to what was the three R's of recycling. Reuse, reuse, recycle. Re- that's yeah. one of the slogans. Reuse, reuse, recycle. Yes. My, but fun... Again, slogan. Fuck, let's go. Fun little fact. It's now four R's. Really? Yes. So. Reduce, reuse, recycle, motherfucker. So. <laughs> Repent. <laughs> the, the, okay, so let's talk about the, the three R's. So the three, I don't sure. Is this a, is this an Australian thing? Reduce, reuse, recycle. You need to calm down. I don't down. think so. It's not, it's a global ecological. Okay, so. Fuck yeah. Reduce, reuse, recycle. The important thing about this slogan is it's actually an order of steps. So they were like, reduce yeah. first. If you can't reduce your plastic or whatever, yeah, exactly. reuse your plastic and stuff. If you can't do that, then recycle it. Yeah. Now, this is kind of like what you were saying in the cars episode, yes. where the people were being encouraged to 
run their car into the ground and then go to work. Yeah, exactly. So like use what you have first, take every step that you have with what you've got first yeah. and not create waste and yes. then go to it. And then go to the next step. They've right. added a fourth R recently, which is repair. So oh, it's now shit. reduce, repair, reuse, reuse recycle. recycle. And notice the recyclers at the end. Like I, I hadn't really thought about it until I, I read it in when we were researching this, but it, it is a hierarchical uh, mm. list that yeah. it really is that the recycling is at the bottom so like mm. we think of recycling as like yeah recycle I'm doing the but good it's like thing recycling in an ecological sense is a last resort yes <laughs> it is a last resort yeah um, I also just found suffocation a, I found a fun no breathing <laughs> please stop um, <laughs> well, I also this is the first time Papa Roach has presented itself. I know, and I'm a big podcast. Papa Roach fan. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. You know we're talking about mashups and shit? Yeah. There was a mashup of Justin Timberlake's um, uh, Sex- what, Sexy Back, sexy back yeah. and Papa Roach's Last, Last Resort. Resort. Yeah. And it's fucking excellent. But what, what, what it, it, it showed to me was that Papa Roach's Last Resort has rapping all through the verse. <laughs> And I had no idea because, like, <laughs> the extent of my knowledge about that song is cut my life into pieces and it's a meme. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, Just, yeah, recycling, sorry. <clears throat> were you about to talk about the recycling symbol? Yeah, yeah. So no, no, I found, Papa no, Roach, please. No, not Papa Roach. Okay. The recycling s- symbol, so it dates back to the first Earth Day in 1970. Yes. Which I, well, I found out a lot of stuff in this, the global ecological movement does. So yes. including, I think, possibly the three R's and everything. The three R's, like, yeah. Kinda, yeah, 1970 is that the That is a point. huge Kickstarter event. Holy yeah, like, what a, what a historical fuck. moment. Um, it, there was a, uh, a prize, essentially, like a, um, a competition. The words are really coming to me today. It's great. Mm. Um, won by Gary Anderson, who was then a 23-year-old college student at University of Southern California. Gary. And that became the universal recycling symbol used everywhere because it, the symbol was not trademarked and it remains in the public domain. That's oh, fucking that's awesome, sick. Dude. Thanks, so Gary. That's Cheers, really guys. incredible. I, I love that. I also, in my journeys of learning about the four R's, found other forms of the four R's. It's mm-hmm. apparently there are other ones. So there's um, reading, writing, arithmetic, and religion. I don't know. They obviously don't have. That's funny. That's funny, but like I love that arithmetic is really squeezed in that one. Arithmetic. 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 There's also um. <laughs> responsibility, respect, resourcefulness, responsiveness. <laughs> Okay. Which is, feels very aggressive. Um, rescue, rehabilitation, restoration, and reintegration. So that's mm. an, that's an ecological. Another one. Another lo- what, another mm. one. And then there's remove, raise, reduce, and reward, which is apparently a YouTube campaign that uh, was trying to approach responsibility for content from uh, from the creators. And I'm like, I heard that as raise first as an R A Z E, and I thought it was just like that was the like Genghis Khan's <laughs> fucking yeah. his whole motto of the four R's. So, like, talking about, like, why we have that hierarchy as well. Mm. So, um, I came across a book uh, that was uh, an adorable but very informative kids' nonfiction book. Nice. Um, I, you know, I'm just going to admit that I didn't know it was a kids' nonfiction book when I was looking at it as an ebook, and I was reading it going like, wow, this is very readable. <laughs> and I remember, it's been kind of patronizing. Oh, I'm, oh okay, that's embarrassing. That very embarrassing for me. And there you go. You <laughs> can all share in that. Um, it's called Reuse at the History of Modern Recycling. But I really loved a point it made basically saying, because it was laying out as if you're, you know, like 10 years old reading this. And saying that like... That seems appropriate for me. <laughs> get, get out of it. Um, get, 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 get out. In nature, um, the animals and plants are producing uh, waste. We call it waste, right? right. But it's not really waste. Uh, it's all part of a, uh, an ecological system. Yeah, uh, all those things become recycled. Yeah, um, through and like this is a book that's trying to make me feel better about my shit, isn't it? <laughs> um, it's not waste, okay. So yeah, like w- w- you know, 
excrement or whatever, or even like loose hair and stuff. It just becomes part of another process. Leaf litter becomes part of another process. Yeah. It's not actually waste the way that we think of waste because the human definition of waste is a, quite a novel concept. Yeah. We literally do waste something. We go, oh, well, this car's done and it's a big hu- uh, like Hulk. I'm just going <laughs> to toss this into the field and what will happen then? Like, It's not going to become a great stinky mound for the kids. Launch it into the sun. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, like, you know, I think that's a good way of thinking about um, why we have have to think about it with these like four R's and stuff because mm. the entire system in which humans currently live is a complete departure from that system because we have waste. So if we're talking about salvage and recycling and stuff, it only exists because we have waste. And waste didn't exist until like the com- consumer, like uh, like post-war war consumer drive because in the 30s and 40s, they didn't need to have this campaign of conservation and like reduce, reuse, recycle because they weren't really able to get new products easily and they didn't have, the, so they would often repair things at home. Things they would often repair. I mean, like I think it's wrong things. to say that like waste wasn't really a thing because just, just purely because like we wouldn't have the relationships with dogs that we do if it wasn't for human tribes creating waste that attracted animals. Yeah, yeah. but again, that would be something that would eventually break down and turn into something else potentially. Yeah, fair. It's not like we were dumping our plastic. Exactly. <laughs> and, so that, and, that, and that's the sort of shit. That was that, Neanderthal shit. That's... <laughs> They were way ahead of their time. <laughs> and I suppose guys. in terms of modern modern recycling, modern salvage, it's dealing with these problems. It's how do we deal with plastic? It's how do we deal with paper yeah. and glass and metal and all of these things that we should be able to deal with mm-hmm. um, because we've we've got too much stuff and not enough space to just dump it places. So we need to kind of stop doing that. Okay, yeah. so actually that's a really great segue to talk about um, to go backwards in time once again. <laughs> we seriously need a new time machine. Yeah, it's One bad. that goes like... <laughs> <laughs> something cool. Yeah. One that plays a little riff. That would be sick. <clears throat> Why? Well, because a pinch harmonic is funny, Sam. Yeah, it is funny. I can see that. <laughs> so where are we going to? We are going backwards in time. Oh, fuck this. <laughs> fuck this. <laughs> to two different places. Uh, to Maya... So the sort of classical period of Maya, which is around 300 to 1000 CE. Okay. Um, How are you spelling that? M-A-I-A? Yes. Nice. How did you think I was spelling it? M-Y-E-R. <laughs> oh, in the department <laughs> store. In the department store Maya. We're yeah. going to Maya. Yeah, guys. Off Ma- we go. In the year, it was about six. Uh, yeah. That's, that's and the where end else of the joke. are we going? <laughs> and Rome. 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 The ancient Roman times. Yes, indeed. Um, and that's because to make a point that yeah, this idea of recycling does actually go back a fair way. So we don't quite need like industrial capitalism to do it, but it's just obviously takes on different forms. Yes. And this is very interesting in the Mayan case. Um, so this is from a paper by uh, Christina Halperin called Ancient Recycling. Uh, in... Sorry, I just... <laughs> I just said the most in English. In uh, English, it's sorry. It's, uh, there was too many lines and too many names of places that I don't know. And yeah, so it's very interesting. Uh, so basically, like if thinking about like recycling is making something new and different to what was there before. Mm-hmm. Um, people in ancient societies did that all the time because. Um, old tools would break. Um, ornaments would, when their owners might die or their ornaments might break as well, or, mm-hmm. you know, or like go out of fashion or something. But generally speaking, when we look back in the past, we tend to have this idea that, oh, people only recycle, why would they recycle and like uh, make sure they've kept all the resources? Oh, it's because they don't have very much. 
you know, it's because of scarcity, basically. Yeah. Like they've got to, they've got to recycle because otherwise they won't the have most stuff. Out of what they have. But really, if you look at the ancient world, this the it's it's the same as now. That <laughs> it's actually enormous surplus of stuff mm. that actually means you recycle because you actually have a reason to recycle. You've got too much stuff. Yeah, because if you just burn through it, you just have a giant yeah. pile of dead stuff. A giant pile, pile of dead stuff, but you, you know also have an incentive because you can make something nice or something out of it. And that's why like recycling in Maya actually took on like sort of, not quite, possibly not ceremonial, but certainly like family hereditary things uh, where you'd, you'd reshape something from previous generation to, into a new tool or a new ornament and it would right. have some special meaning. Oh, it like al- heirloom. Yeah, yeah, like heirlooms. Totally. It, would, it's, it almost just occurred to me as well when you said uh, heirloom, when you said uh, ornaments before, that it's just like, because I pictured animal parts for that. And it just occurred to me that it's just like killing an animal for meat and then using every part of the body for other stuff is salvage. Like, mm. yeah, you know, like skin, skins for clothes, you yeah. know, horns for weapons, bones yeah. for soup, like all kinds of shit. Like that's make, that using everything is salvaging that otherwise you mm. would just be cutting the meat off an animal, wasting it. Yeah, and and that's an example of the scarcity version, right? Yes. That's that that's like things you need those things you can't afford to waste them. Mm-hmm. And then there's also like if you have lots of things, you have an incentive to recycle them. What's really interesting is in Maya that, that, that you, you could tell that that process benefited the wealthy <sighs> because it was the it was actually always would recycling of goods would peak in times of like a sort of a, what we'd call economic boom, I guess. Right. Um, when there's just more stuff and there's more affluence. Hmm. So it, that's, again, it kind of echoes right. a familiar thing where we're like in the modern context where like the Western nations, the affluent nations I are not producing like the waste. ancient boomers' attitudes were. To <laughs> <laughs> no. Aroma's really interesting as well because I know that they used to reuse like terracotta, like broken terracotta pots and stuff, and they would use it in mortar and things like that. They wouldn't necessarily, and they wouldn't need to like go out of their way because there would just be piles of like broken terracotta around the place. So they mm-hmm. wouldn't be like, send your terracotta to this recycling plant. It would be like, they would just grab some, but they would use it. <laughs> I love that. They'll use it in mortar and actually makes it stronger to, to bind things. A friend of mine's doing his master's terracotta on it. It's fascinating. fails upwards. Yes, it really does. Yeah, there's a, Rome's a good example of like, because it's, you know, the most affluent city of its era, basically. So, like, they had tons of stuff. They had a huge amount of ceramics that they could and sort of had to recycle. Mm. Um, and, like, I think that's kind of a good example of the fact that it's cities. It's not just affluence. It's also cities that are doing this. Because if you're living in some, like, ancient, like, agrarian settlement or something, your scarcity mindset is probably going to be a lot higher. Mm. But in a city, you're gonna you're actually producing stuff for, you know... Uh, for leisure, leisure goods, you know, like, yeah. like pottery and, and, and ornaments. So, like, that can get thrown away and then you ha- have tons of rubbish then to recycle. Yeah. Wild times. Things to do with. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. The, the idea that it's just like, because we've made so much and we have so much, we have more that we can do with rather than like, so we're recycling out of what? Like... Uh, relaxation, like <laughs> l- yeah. the luxury yeah. of, like, you know, like, well, what's... Yeah, you're like, what is the what is the driving motivation? Because I know that for a lot of recycling now, it has kind of primarily been driven from an environmental, ecological point yeah. of view. like that was yeah. the big push. That was the huge push. And so what is the motivation? Is it is it simply just because they... It's almost like an appreciation for what they have in front of them and making sure they're using everything, even though they don't necessarily need to? Or is it, a, is it, or is it an understanding of, like, a system in place, like a system yeah. of like recycling and goods production that is sustainable in a way that maybe we wouldn't use 
they wouldn't use the word sustainable, but like we <laughs> yeah. kind of retroactively. The Romans were not sustainable. No, <laughs> like everything else they did was they very. Literally, they spread themselves so thin. Yes, so they very, really, very really thin. did. <laughs> But yeah, yeah. Like, so it, it, it would be wrong of us to just like automatically assume that they were doing recycling all this ceramic and stuff for like entirely material reasons. Like, mm. it's, I'm sure that might have been a thing. Like, you could yeah. on sell stuff. There were commercial people, but like, mm. there could have also just been a, a symbolic power to it. And in fact, there's actually other examples of the symbolic power which are really cool. So, um, there's a uh, Latin word uh, spolia, mm-hmm. um, which basically is when you, uh, you know, you've conquered something and you repurpose. Or perhaps you've come to power and your predecessor stuff is there. You repurpose the materials from that statue or something mm-hmm. into something new. Oh, and as okay. a sort of, it's sort of like a domination vengeance thing. So spoilia as in the spoils. spoils yeah, war, yeah, the spoils of war. So you're saying you would use the material from a statue and like yep. break it apart and turn it into something else? Yeah, it was historically done. Wow. Yeah. That's, I mean. Given it as a Latin name, I suspect who might have been doing yes. that. Mm. Who but there's the example of the opposite as well. Like, um, so apparently in ancient Egypt, um, there's examples of like not just restoring stuff, but in fact recycling materials from old dynasties to kind of give yourself legitimacy. Yes. Like, there's an example of one. I'm gonna, um, oh, yeah, the Pyramid of Amenemhat, um, the first. So this is a pyramid built in the 20th century BCE. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. That's old. Um, I, can't, I can't even do that. Um and but inside of it, they found all these stone blocks that went from anywhere near there. They were inscribed stone blocks that were taken from a ruined ruined pyramid from the old kingdom, from like I don't know a thousand years old earlier Fuck or something. Hell. And like the, the people would be like, oh, you know, couldn't they have just done that for practical reasons? And it'd be like the stones were hell and gone from this place. <laughs> yeah, they would have like, never have done this for practical reasons. Practical but I, I mean, I think that's something that I didn't even think about the idea of using the like ornamentation of other leaders to provide you with that status. dynasty and status. Yeah. But I mean we just saw that in the UK with um Chucky Boy. Chucky Boy. King uh, King Chuck. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Charlie, true. Literally Charlie using like not yeah, using particular like Because they, crowns they, every and single time like they have to have the fucking orb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They gotta hold the, the shambord. They gotta have the shambord. The holy hand grenade. They got the scepter. Yeah. They got special rings for your fat crazy sausage yeah, fingers. That guy's gonna fucking drop dead. And then the and then the, the crown the obviously squeaked out onto his yeah. little inbred noggin and shit. You know, that guy. Mm. So we've just seen that recently. Um, yeah. But and I feel like that's like a less kind of a less wholesome version to what you were describing with the Mayas, where they were like more like holding on to memory through these sort of artifacts and yeah. and but allowing a form of transformation to occur to that. Yeah. So that they can take on new meaning and take on new new um roles in society. Cause I feel like one of the things that heirlooms have now is like as a preservation. I, I totally. idea of like you want to keep it exactly as you got it and you yeah. don't want to change it. An attachment to tradition exactly. or memory through yes. uh, an artifact. Through preservation. I, that's yeah, but it's also an example of how the the basically this dichotomy between practical and symbolic, like uses yeah. of materials. No, it's, exactly. It can be both. Like it can be anything on this sort of spectrum. Like it can be absolutely a practical choice to do something that has carries some greater cultural meaning or personal meaning or something. Yeah, absolutely. I mean I find I find this whole process really interesting because um, obviously we have the technology, we have a lot of technology and industry around recycling um, now. And there's there's processes that we have where people like to, to recycle paper in particular, there's mm-hmm. like machines that do that. But you could recycle 
paper in the past, it would just be a bit more involved. Uh, so we've got a whole industry behind it, but like the idea of a culture that just has this sort of cyclical, like economic material yeah. cycle is so fascinating because it feels so different to the world that we live in right now. Mm. Yeah, where we throw things away constantly. Constantly. Yeah. Just and, hard to imagine. Yeah, and almost like in the same way as we were talking about the the weird gendering of, of cars in the previous episode of like mm. your muscle car versus your little zippy get-around car being masculine or feminine for in no reason. No reason. Um, the, that, the rejection of the idea of recycling and trying to be a little bit more kind of ecologically minded and sustainability minded being feminine or somehow not masculine to all of your it's fascinating you know all of your weird macho types all your fucking yeah. marga cunts and all of these dickheads. yeah you know, it's like the same that, as that the kind carnival of masculine diet like, yeah that exactly it's like what you eat vegetables it was like dude <laughs> i just cannot imagine yeah how repulsive your shits are like i can't <laughs> I, I i'm picked i'm there if they eventually appear <laughs> if and when they do that no, will be a hard year for us all but you're right like there, there is these weird like these interesting connotations that recycling as a process has to them. And like, it's not, it's not really that involved a process. And there's actually been rising sort of like community composting and community gardening things that we've been yeah. seeing around us that are like trying to change that image a little bit and make it kind of normalize the process right, so if, if a little bit. If we're talking about home salvage. Yeah. And I suppose like, like we said, the modern kind of interpretation of that in this context is recycling. Yes. Right. What do I fucking do? Like, what's, right. what's, what's a good start to modern salvage That's a, in the home? That, I mean... One Salvaging of, the home. One of the wow. big things, I suppose, is um, essentially separating your waste properly. Okay. That's a big, big one. So, so but, like, but we're at recycling now. So, so we're like recycling. We're at, the, we're at the, the final... The final stage point. of the of the, uh, the thing. If we were going to reduce, like... I mean, I know you see, like, even big companies and stuff like McDonald's reducing their... Uh, plastic straws and shit down to paper straws. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, that whole sort of thing, that gradual kind of change, that's a reduction. Yes. You know, it's like we bring certain bags to the grocery store and things like that. Yes. With, so to reduce our plastic use, yeah. like that's a reduction. And like a, I think it's at reuse and repair where salvage kind of gets stuck a bit I agree. in our yeah. modern household. I would agree. And I think that the reason for that, um, so I think in terms of uh, reuse, the way that like Sam and I reuse stuff is we will buy things in glass jars and then we will clean those jars and use them for other forms of storage. But then you do end up just having like a whole bunch of random jars. Yeah, it's jars. just like, um, and I think <laughs> they will eventually go in the bin. And I feel like <laughs> you're just holding them for a while. <laughs> reuse is such an imperfect thing because I think the ways that people can reuse stuff requires you to have, um, like, tech, like some skills and some like plans. Yeah, but right? almost you like for your think. jar scenario, for example. Yes. For your jar scenario to kind of make sense would be that you you buy something and it's the last jar you ever need. Yeah, you know, and you go and you, refill you, it. You buy it and you make your own jam from that point on and it goes in that jar. Because the thing is, if you go and buy another jam, you have another jar and you yes. might as well have thrown the first one away. No, exactly. <laughs> and like you do find that you get stuck in that, in that endless cycle because also there are like, you know, um, those whole, whole food shops that you can go and like fill your own jar up, but they're so expensive to shop at. Exactly. Yeah. And so you can't really do that. And then I agree with repair. Repair is a big one because like 
people don't know how to sew buttons back on shirts. I, I don't. I'll, I'll yeah. put my hand up. I, like, I it took me to a long that. time to figure out how to do it properly, like mm. repairing rips. The big, I think, with repair is the electronics. That's a huge yeah, area where we could really be making a lot of headway. Am I am I right in saying that there's like a big movement towards like yes. repair now? Yes. Because like, I've seen the phrase right to repair oh, with, on yes. the internet yeah, so and there's, I'm not um, quite across what that means. So the right to repair is essentially fighting against this concept called planned obsolescence. So planned obsolescence in, in particularly technology companies and like um, white goods and all of it's, that. It's Apple. Like it's, it's Apple we're about predominantly. Apple, right? <laughs> yeah, is the basically that they they create products that will eventually no longer work and are not really able to be genuinely repaired because they either stop repairing them and that's the biggest problem is like Apple will literally just no longer repair laptops after a certain time. Right. Even though they could be easily fixed, they yeah, don't want you to do that. it's just parts. Or, it's just parts. If the parts aren't broken, you can just yeah. parts. Or they're designed in such a way that you can't even access the bit that needs to, be, needs repaired. to be repaired. So like yeah. fused batteries, for instance, is a really huge... So in laptops, you can have two different kinds of battery systems where one where you clip in a battery mm -hmm. and so you can just replace that, which means you can extend the life of your laptop. Yeah. But the thinner, like, airbooky, thin, light book, like, um, laptops that are meant to be, like, more streamlined mm -hmm. have fused batteries, which means you yeah. can't actually take them out. So if you open it up, you fucked it, basically. Well, basically, if you try and take the battery out, you've wrecked the system. And the you laptop can't... will last as long as the battery does. Yeah, which that is... is fucking obnoxious. So the right to repair is actually a legislative move. So basically, yeah. it's trying to legislate consumer rights to be able to repair their their products yeah. and not be dictated by Because frankly, industry. it's absurd. It's insane. It's absurd. Like, can you imagine like a, a clothing manufacturer doing this. Yes. Like deliberately creating clothing out of a fabric that you don't have access to that is designed to deteriorate within a certain period well, of time. that's fast fashion, isn't well, it? Well, you're literally describing a thing that exists. <laughs> Fuck me, Dallas. Yeah, and that's like, um, like this is sort of the, this is sort of the, the dark point of the, of, oh, of the episode. Man, the because, I'm upset. because it is like, that is what fast fashion is. It's about using the cheapest materials made in the cheapest way possible that will deteriorate really quickly so you go buy more stuff and the same is oh. with technology it's the same process right you may have noticed that like when you buy a shirt they don't last the same way how the fuck did i just do that you know what i mean like how am i that <laughs> dumb that i didn't know this thing existed but then also just say what the thing is <laughs> the imagine horrible thing. if you will like a game where there's uh black and white squares and there's, you know, there's little towers on it. Imagine how weird that would be. That would be crazy. You're talking about chess. You've just described chess. So, so yeah, like, you've been, to put this into a list that I put together, so you've got, like, the problems that lead to we need a right to repair. You know, it's like, so it can't be repaired because it's a battery fuse yeah. or something, or it's an yeah. iPhone that you can't open properly or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, it's forbidden from repair, either because they, the you know, the, the Mac dealers who won't repair oh, an old Mac. Or off. you're in a contract or something that actually prevents it from being legally altered, um, to be physically altered. Yeah. So they can actually physically stop you from opening it, like voided yeah. warranties I think and that's stuff. the same with like PlayStation did that as well. I yeah. think there was yeah. like, if you went in and kind of like jailbroke your shit. And then last but certainly not least, that repair is so difficult to find and expensive that it just becomes cheaper to buy in the first place. To chuck it away. And yeah, then, and yeah. that's where yeah. that is where we get these movements. So we get the right of repair movement at the legislative level, and we have repair cafes and these community-based movements on the on the ground level, which is essentially so repair cafes are essentially a place that the community comes together and through shared knowledge and expertise, they help each other fix shit. 
That's so you amazing. can take a broken fan. Somebody might have like mechanical experience and can help you fix the problem. And then you take the fan home and it's fixed. So this was yeah. developed in 2009 by a Dutch journalist called Martine Postma. So she, from Amsterdam, she set up an experiment um, and basically was like, if I set this up, are people going to come and do this? Yeah. And what it's great is, what was what was really, really uh, great to see was that not only did people who needed things to be repaired come, but people who knew how to fix things came mm. because they were like, well, I know how to sew. Let's fucking go. So That's I so can awesome. bring my sewing machine and yeah. I can teach somebody, not just do it for them. I can teach them how to repair their clothes. I can teach them how to repair their laptops. I can I can yeah. help them through this process so then they go away with information as well. Yeah, right. And so this was actually so, so popular that in, as of 2019, there are 1,700 repair cafes in 35 countries. We've got one. There was one in Greenslopes. I'm pretty sure they had a repair in cafe. Brisbane, yeah. In Brisbane where they, you, if and they, they cut like, on the weekend, I think it's every fortnight. You can, if you've got something that's broken that needs fixing, you take it and they, you figure it out. Figure it out, yeah. Mm. And clothes is such a good example of that. Yeah, clothes like, is, pisses me off because it takes it takes skill and practice to use the machines. But you know, like it fundamentally is like straightforward. You can be trained to do it. The challenge with electronics is the fact that it is like there's some kinds of repair which are extremely specialized. You can't just repair a motherboard. Like with a screwdriver. <laughs> like, Dude, I can't even look at a motherboard. I don't want to look at a motherboard. <laughs> <laughs> just take that thing out. Like generally when when a motherboard needs repair, you just take it out and put another one in. Like Yeah, right. So that, again, yeah. <laughs> like the cost of repair. And I think the other thing with the electronics is like there's so many avenues that like, yeah, sure, you could get to a point where you can't fix this anymore. It cannot be salvaged. It cannot be salvaged, but it can be if you know to where to take it. So you can then take it to like e-goods recycling and there are industries that have developed to <clears> help with this where um, they will safely dispose of or repurpose materials because we're going to have a lithium shortage at some point um, and a silicon shortage at some point. So pe- like people giving their mobile phones to be recycled is really good because they can actually extract those materials back and right. put them into other phones. Yeah, true. You know, and so that there's scares that. the shit out of me, by the way. So there's that element. Yeah. Um, there's also other ways that you can recycle these things. So like there's lots of campaigns for like, um, wildlife research where you can donate a, an old phone and they'll use it in a particular way to like track birds and stuff like that. There's another campaign I saw recently actually, which was a domestic violence campaign of donating your phone to sort of help somebody in need right. to give them access yeah, to things. Most of the phones being kind of thrown away or put in uh, recycling are functioning it's mainly batteries. Devices. It's mainly yeah, it's that batteries, batteries gone. Are, yeah. are sort of drained really quickly. Or that it's just uh, like been superseded by the next whatever shiny thing. Yeah. yeah. So there are I think if people could look in their area about like where can you put e waste, where can you put battery batteries can be recycled. If you know where to take them, yeah. they can be recycled, but you have to know where to take them. Fabric can be recycled. You just got to know where to go. Because this yeah. is a thing with a, a thing with recycling that I sort of discovered um, looking at the Australian cases that like this idea that for recycling to happen, it needs like people to buy the materials. So we think of just like, oh, yeah, you put in the yellow bin, then recycle it. And it's like, hooray, it's gone into the metal industry or something. But somebody actually has to buy the metal, so all the glass, um, mm. all the plastic. Okay. And so like occasionally that's just not, the demand is just not there. So in the Australian case, they're like for a little while, I think uh, about uh, four or five years ago, there was a shortage of, sorry, um, Surplus. Yeah, surplus of um, glass. Mm. Uh, so there was all this glass that was meant to be recycled, but just no one wanted it. 
So it was just sitting around. And <laughs> some of this stuff just gets thrown away because it's like you need you need the buyer. So like in the local sense, you do kind of just need to find people who n- need it. Yes. Who need the stuff. Well, and this is the glass is such a great example because glass is one of those recycled products that they there's no loss in the recycling process. So it's not a down cycle. You recycle glass, you get glass of the same quality every mm. single time. Mm. It, it's like aluminium. It's like an eternal recycling process. Yes. Eternal. Yeah, that's why because jellyfish are actually made out of aluminium and glass. Oh, very, yeah. very interesting. Knitted finely, but you need to have a sewing machine. Oh, yes. Yeah, so very difficult to make. Mm. But like glass is really fascinating as well because you don't even have to crush it, filter it, melt it and do all of that. You can just like disinfect and sterilize glass and just use like the bottles. Like that's like, uh, I know that there's a couple of like cold brew um, coffee places mm-hmm. that will just be like, oh, if you could just bring those bottles back at some point and we'll just disinfect them and use them again. Yeah. You know, I mean, and the, that's- the, What's interesting is that like my immediate Australian knee jerk reaction is to call that hipster bullshit and get angry about it. And isn't that interesting? Because I was thinking about this just before when you mentioned mm. the Amsterdam thing of the um, the recycling cafe or the fix-it thing. The repair cafe. Repair cafe. Yeah. yeah, the fix-it The fix-it place. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love it. I think Get that's... your coffee fix at the fix-it place. Um, the I don't know if that would fly in Australia. I, I, I want to believe that it would, mm. you know, that it, that's like – but is that an experiment that is like really effective in a place that is as culturally the way that it is as Amsterdam? Because like I said, we we fucking genderize everything in Australia. Yeah. Like everything is like fucking blokey or it's fucking not. And everything <laughs> is like really black and white. Like, nah, that's just how things are. There's no fun. The idea of having a repair cafe, my in a dickhead that I can't hit. It's the, my first response to everything is the dickhead. Yeah. And I have to pause for a second and let the dickhead dissipate and evaporate <laughs> into dickhead vapour um, and create dick cloud, <laughs> which rain idiots upon my life. And, and, the, and that allows the cr- seeds to grow. The seeds, the cursed seeds of dumb to grow in my brain. Into a sprout yes. of reasonable thoughts. Yeah, gradually. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and then once I reach that point, it's like, kind of, yeah, it would be really, really good. But my knee-jerk reaction is like, ah, fuck that. That's, well, that's fucking hipster shit. That's hippie shit. Fuck you. I mean, but it reminds me of like when people would get their milk in glass bottles from a milkman and then they would collect those bottles and take them back to the factory after you use them and then reuse them again. And it's the so same used process. used to be how it works. Well, I remember you telling a story about you could get... I, I don't know if it was in Germany. It's in Germany. I was about well, to yeah, say you were about to say that. <laughs> yeah. Where you would get your beer in a crate. Yeah, like it, when you bought a, a carton of beer, it wasn't like a slab with, like you get in Australia with like, like a cardboard box full of stubbies of beer. Mm. This is like, it was a crate. It was like a milk crate kind of thing. And they were all fit into the slots in the milk crate. And then you would uh, take them and you would drink them all. I mean, <laughs> of course. You would drink all of them. Every and single then, one. And then you would- It's um, beer. You, not that same day, obviously, because you wouldn't drive. That would be ridiculous. So you would uh, you put put the the bottles back in their little slots in this like milk carton thing. Take it back to the bottle o. Give them their carton thing back for more beers and put your beers individually, your bottles individually, into a recycling machine. Yes, and that's like the norm. Yeah, over and I there. I love that though because it's if you have a system in place, and this is I think the thing from when I was researching like how does recycling happen now. 
was it's sort of like we have the methods to deal with all this stuff, but we don't have the social systems in place to encourage people to engage with them. So, like, we've got the um, containers for change system in, like, the south, in the East Coast states, we, where you get 10 cents back for every bottle that you yes, recycle. Yeah. That only was recently introduced into Queensland. Mm-hmm. It's a good, it's a fairly good, like, system, but, like, you're kind of working against this entrenched idea. And I think that's what you were hinting at with the repair cafes is this entrenched idea of like, this is how things are. And actually- Resist the change. Yeah, and actually getting people to like change that behavior. We've been seeing it slowly happen with like the green bags. Yeah, like to replace shopping So we don't have plastic bags and you people will take reusable bags. And that was a weird thing. It was originally derided, yes. Yeah, and now it's like most people will just have their own bags. all they had to do was ban plastic bags. Yeah, but this is what I mean. It it took a legislative act. Yeah, it took something very, very... And um, it's the same with like... Forceful. (laughs) With the containers for change, it took a system which meant that people could get something back from it. Yeah. Just over time and... A reason to that isn't like, you know... Environmental. <laughs> yeah. I think really like the biggest problem in this recycling game is the plastic. And I think mm. it's also because there is about 10 different kinds of plastic that exist that are made and need to be recycled differently. Talk me through plastic. Okay. So plastic is made of long, complex hydrocarbons. I thought you were going to say jellyfish for a second. <laughs> <laughs> They're made of jellyfish. Yeah, recycled aluminium. <laughs> and it is, it is not biodegradable. And there are, like I said, like there's lots of different kinds. So I've actually got a little chart here, which we will put up on Instagram. Yes, please. But it's like, it's basically just listing out all of the different kinds of plastic. And what's really interesting is there's the number symbols. I don't know if you've ever looked at a plastic bottle and seen like the little recycle symbol that we were talking about yeah. with yeah. like a number in it. I have seen it. I've never paid attention. So to this, this correlates to a specific kind of plastic. So the number one is PET, which is polyethylene terra. I fucking hate this word. Terra flaffle. Flaffle. <laughs> do you want to? I'm not I'm sure that's not what it says. Phthalate. It's phthalate. I know how to say it. I was just <laughs> fucking silly. <laughs> it's P H T H. There are so many more types on this than phthalate. I thought there might be. Yeah. So this one is uh, used in commercially sold like water bottles. So this is like the oh, okay. bottle plastic. So this is the kind of, like it's the kind of plastic where it's it squishes. It squishes slightly, but it's still kind of like a uh, rigid. Yeah. It's, it holds its shape, but it has flex. Okay. Is a way that a I would describe bottle. it. Yeah, like a Coke bottle. Then you've got um, two. Number O2, which is PEHD, which is polyeth- high-density polyethylene. So this is like the like bleach bottles, that kind of plastic, where it's very, oh, very yeah. hard. Mm-hmm. Or, or like uh, orange juice bottles. Yes, yeah, sure. The, I went, the ones that are white. Yeah, you went actually, straight to bleach. Juice bottles <laughs> is listed here. So, yes, I'll accept it. <laughs> and then you have PVC, polyvinyl chloride. Like PVC pipe? So plumbing pipes, food packaging, shrink wrap, oh, all uh, of that. Wait, shrink wrap? Shrink wrap. But you just Table said cloths. plumbing pipe. Yeah. Those yeah. are very different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's science. Don't ask me any but questions wh- about that. Because like, they don't solid. use the pipe. They don't, like, cut up the pipe and wrap shit in it. It's a different type of PVC. So it's PVC, but it's treated differently. Very, very thin PVC. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, it, it is very, very thin PVC. Um, this is so bizarre, bizarre like, knowledge to have. Fucking plumbing pipe PVC is yelled at a lot as a child. Whereas <laughs> <laughs> developed thick fucking skin. Fucking hardens whereas, up. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas the uh, the other is is coddled too much. <laughs> mm, I love that. Mm, then you've got. I don't. Think you do. <laughs> I don't. Um, and then you've got um, four, which is low density polyethylene. So this is like produce bags, garbage bags. Yeah. Paper, milk cartons. So the the, the sort of plastic lined cardboard. Yeah. That whole situation. Uh, okay. Then you have number five, which is called 
pee pee, which I find uh, funny. Because uh-huh. <laughs> I am a child. Number five is alive. Polypropylene. Yogurt containers, oh, furniture, yeah. luggage, winter clothing. Luggage? Oh, you mean like the, the, Plastic legs, the legs on, on yeah. luggage? Yeah, okay. The legs are wet, but in the winter clothing? Yeah, so like... um. So, like puffered vests. Okay, sad, sad, sad moment. Sorry. Uh, most fast fashion is made from plastic, so it is polypropylene or it is some form of um, polyethylene. Or well, you po- mean like a like a t shirt that feels like cotton but isn't? Is yeah, polyester. Yeah, like polyester. Right. So polyester yeah. is like a plastic. Yes. Because I knew it was a synthetic. It's polyester. It's that's what that means. Oh. Esther? I'm fascinated now. Yeah, you look at the etymology of polyester. And then you have polystyrene. I mean, it'll just be the definition of polyester. So those clothes are just plastic? They're plastic. What the fuck? No, and this is the problem, right? So this is why, something I will say, one of the best decisions I ever made was never buying anything that wasn't made from natural fibers because I only buy linen, cotton, denim, leather. Yeah, but wow. I mean, unfortunately, the choice is not always there. Like no, sometimes no. you just got to buy the clothes. You just got to buy the clothes. You got to buy. And also, frequently they'll weave in bits of synthetic fiber. Well, and like like two percent elastine. But elastine slash. is fine because elastine. Yeah, because elastine is like, it's a, like it is made from plastic, but it's doing a function. If your clothes is just made from fucking polyester, it is just made from it's plastic. Last, it's yeah. just not going to last, and it also sheds microplastics. Yeah, yeah no, actually, I think I mentioned that in the um the old spelunking episode. Yes talk about time travel yeah uh, talking about caving is the fact that um there's that sort of movement to change everybody's caving outfits to things that don't shed the plastic because not enough people were doing it that actually a a thick like carpet of polyester threads were collecting because a cave doesn't have the same like it's not going to blow away or something yeah it just doesn't it just stays yeah. Yeah, and then you've got polystyrene, so that's number six. Yeah. Oh yeah, and we we're all the squeaky boys. Styrofoam. Squeaky styrofoam. And then you've got um <laughs> I love this. Number seven. Any plastic item not made from all of the other plastics that I've already oh, listed. Wow. That's, uh, that's giving up. Sorry. That's like somebody at the end like fuck it. <laughs> I'm done. So <laughs> the important thing to note is you can really only recycle PET, so one. PhD too. So, so so Coke bottles, bleach bottles. Bleach bottles. Um, you can't really recycle polyvinyl chloride in certain contexts, depending on the form that it takes. You can kind of recycle PVC piping, but also not really. You could reuse it. You could reuse it, you but you wouldn't shimmy necessarily. Because when we're talking about plastic recycling, we're actually talking about a process of like chopping it into pellets melting it. Oh, like breaking it down totally. Breaking it down entirely. And oftentimes you'll take a plastic bottle and it'll be made into fleece fabric or it'll be made into moulded furniture or insulation. It can't really be made necessarily back into a water bowl. Oh, wow. That's really depressing knowledge and I wish you hadn't told me because I've always always thought that like you recycle a bottle and you're like, yay, there's no waste to that bottle. It'll become a bottle again. No. And it's and like, why do you do it in that accent? Because <laughs> it was earnest. Okay, right. um, and then it was like, nope, it'll go to become something that can't be recycled. Uh, well, and then, yeah. And this is like, because there are, there are points. But with one level of abstraction. There are levels. To, yeah. I think that like, and this is why like the campaigns of like made from 70% recycled pl- plastic is like, yeah, but are you making that out of like, where is that coming from? And how true is that statement? Yeah. But things like, like styrofoam, you can't recycle styrofoam. 
Like you can't. It just can't be done. It just can't be done. You can't recycle um, so low density poly- polyethylene. Squeakies. You can't recycle that because it's in such a state that it's not able to be kind of reduced back to its raw materials and re- repurposed. So <laughs> that's, that's how I feel. <laughs> I'm in like, such a mood. fucking state that I cannot be repurposed. Yeah. So that and the thing. <laughs> this that, is it. I'm afraid. <laughs> so. One of the things that's been good to see from this, but this is taking on its own thing, is obviously the rise of things like reusable water bottles, keep cups, those sorts of things that are like metal, stainless steel, aluminium, glass, kind of refer, like using these sort of long-term, durable, actually truly recyclable materials Mm -hmm. and and relying on those. So people using glass keep cups, you're doing fantastic. Keep living your best life. Go People using plastic keep cups, maybe don't. That's mm. it's a waste of time. Ultimately. Plastic keep cups. Yeah, because it breaks down. But what about the long-term use of a plastic? I think, no, so the long-term use of a plastic, and this is where like, the going back to what we said with the cars of like, use it until it's dead. And don't, then get something else. Don't replace all your Sistema tubs with glass containers because you're just throwing away that plastic. Mm-hmm. Use the plastic until it's no longer serving you, mm-hmm. until it can't be used anymore. Then replace it. This and is then don't always, do it again. and then don't buy it again. Mm. You know, buy a metal water bottle. Don't buy ten yeah. metal water bottles. Buy one metal water bottle. Take care of it. Then you, you're doing lose it in an airport. You, I mean, same. Oh every, my god, every, every, every time. fucking time, single time. <laughs> yeah, know. so like, what? Actually, you know what? You take going through the plastic stuff makes you <laughs> that underlines the hierarchy of the four R's. Yes, because you basically going like recycling is. You know, it's good to do, but like... Yeah, like, don't not recycle. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't want that to be the message. Yeah, exactly, there's a lot of... Fuck it, guys. There's... Fuck your electric car. <laughs> there are so... The last two episodes have been a mess. <laughs> there, there are so... Uh, there's so much cynicism about yeah. recycling, which I really hate to see in Australia, yeah. where as a result of a number of recycling crises where we were previously shipping it off to China and so now we can't do that anymore. So we don't have the material, like we don't have the means to recycle all this stuff and it's been a bit of a mess. And so because a lot of it's ended up in landfill, you get a lot of people kind of going like, oh, recycling is just bullshit. Like, yeah. Yeah, just don't do it. It's just it's like, no, just a lie. Right. And I'm just like, that's Fuck. obviously an unproductive opinion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there is a, a sort of prevailing attitude in Australia, which is that, um, and I don't know how universal this is outside of Australia, but there's the whole, like, if you're not doing it all, you're not doing any of it. Yeah. Yeah. Then you're bullshit. So, yeah. Yeah. So, it's like, for example, if you're like a Greens politician or you're a a lefty, like, fuck politics, you're a lefty. Yeah. Right. And you go, you know, like, oh, I recycle all my shit. I, I take all of these steps. And then somebody goes like, yeah, but you're wearing those leather shoes. You fucking hypocrite. As though that undoes yeah. every other step that you've done. <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah. this zero sum view of the world. Where it's yeah. like if you're not doing everything, you're doing nothing. And well, I hate that. Can I also make a, a, a just a clear statement here? Things that are being marketed to you as sustainable are not necessarily the best practice because if they're trying to sell something, they're not necessarily having your best interest at heart <laughs> because they're profiting off Say of that. Say it isn't so sad. Yes. So I know people might Selling be shocked by that. a temporary product yeah, so people, <laughs> is not environmentalist. Yeah, people who are telling you that you have to make a shift to this sustainable ecological thing are not thinking of the long game. They're not thinking in terms of what we have now we should be using and then eventually you should all be shifting. shifting to the thing. But they the want same- you to have it now so that they can have your money. Come to me weekly for your sustainable goods. Exactly. <laughs> and the same thing goes for things like like leather is a really good example. People kind of frame that as being like 
a bad choice, mm-hmm. especially in th- like footwear. So mm-hmm. like I have like basically plastic shoes. And yeah. this is an important thing to say. I bought vegan leather shoes yep. because I thought I was making a sustainable choice. It was not the sustainable choice. Leather is the sustainable choice because it's going to last mm-hmm. time on time longer than plastic and shoes will. And it will break down. And it yes, will break down. because it is fundamentally down, an organic. But you yeah. also can care for it because you can treat it and, and you repair can it. And repair it. Mm. And like, so I made a choice thinking it was ecological. And after doing all this, but also living my life, realizing there are some things that are framed as like anti- sort of this environmental movement that are actually long-term a much better sustainable solution. Interesting. And, and again, that comes from the from probably the, the kind of uh, like idealization of a, a way of life, like making it a, a like instead of being like a, a making choices that are better, it becomes an ideology. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's like- It's an identity your, you take on. For example, your leather yeah. shoes are ideologically opposed to- a sustainable obsessed vegan person, for yes. example. And I would have said the same to you a few years ago when yeah. I was still vegan, of course. I like well and truly in that world. But now, again, it's it's that thing. It's the knee-jerk reaction that I was talking about where it was raining dicks before. Like, <laughs> yes. it's fucking, it like Because contextually that makes sense. Um, <laughs> is that like, you know, if you think for more than a, a second about it and just don't go, this is what my ideology tells me, you can kind of see the, the, the pathway there. But you're absolutely right. I mean, so much of this stuff has been like sold. It's all like so much is marketing. And marketing is really important. We talked about this in the sobriety episode um, where it's just like the, there were those government ads that changed everything for me, yeah. my, my view towards kind of alcohol and my kids. Like that that kind of thing can be really effective. We're talking about reduce, reuse, recycle. Yeah, blah, blah, it's blah, a blah, great blah, blah. slogan. Everyone knows it. It is. And that was, that was an avatar. But then now that it's like individual businesses going like, we're now going to sell you your ecological answer. This mm. is your sustainable thing. Tesla wants you to buy their fucking car. <laughs> yeah, but I think that the interesting thing is we're also seeing the shift, like I was mentioning before, the shift backwards to, like, uh, I think Razors is a really good example. I was about to bring it up. Yeah, like because I mean, if you you can you can ex- like explain what this means, but like shifting back to what are considered like old timey or old yeah. fashioned razors as an answer to this kind of broadest problem, which yes. was razors. Exactly. So sometimes these like environment like right to repair is a part of this too, where this anti, like, sorry, this anti-consumerist and this environmentalist thing becomes really, really linked. Um, and that could be very interesting. So we're talking really about countercultures like now. So, and one that I actually sort of became a part of for a little while um, was uh, the double-edged razor, which is basically all safety razor. Okay. Um, now just it's to like clear this up. It's a T-bar razor. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a T-bar razor. So it's, it's the old razor that you could see someone in the 1910s using in a film. Right. Right, okay, so like this is um, a safety razor is a confusing term because you might think, oh, the cartridge razor is a safety razor. And of course, uh-huh. it categorically is. So basically, in the 19th century, you would shave with a straight razor, like as in a cutthroat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that was really, really dangerous at home. It took barbers to be able to do that because it took skill. Um, so, you know, um, it was Gillette that invented the, what they call the safety razor, which was a tiny little you know, what you see now is a razor blade. Slip into the machine. Yep, slips into a little T-shaped guy, Mm -hmm. fella frame. And the frame kind of pushes your skin down so that you're less likely to cut yourself. Having used one of these, less likely. Less likely. Not Not impossible. Not impossible. (laughs) Far from impossible. (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) But what happened was, is that they invented such a good product 
that no one bought them anymore. Because they were made from metal. They were metal razors, right? Yeah. And you would just... Yeah, they were razor handles. And then, of course, replaceable, disposable metal blades. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Um, so you would just buy the blades, which are, buy the handle you again. wouldn't need to buy the handle again. And of course, the blades could easily be smelted down. Um, so it's they, they made this perfect product, basically. Mm. And so everyone was not buying handles anymore. They were just buying the razors. And some evil genius in the 1960s and 70s came up with the idea as like, hmm, well, what if we made a <laughs> <laughs> proprietary cartridge thing? With the multiple blades, the two blades, it started with two. Yeah, <laughs> it started. The with escalation two. has been severe. And they clicked. They clicked it onto the handle, and um, but then, of course, they blunt really quickly because of the nature of how those blades are being used in a cartridge setup. Also, mm-hmm. just like side note, the more blades don't actually enhance the shave; they actually At make all. the shave worse. A they single blade you. is a better tool than a seven blade. Razor, stop Easily. buying them. Stop it. Because actually, so the, actually, this is a total sidetrack, but I'm loving it. So, the, <laughs> well, how the double-edged, sorry, the the two uh, blade. blade cartridges work is that the first one sort of pulls um, the hair out away from the skin mm-hmm. and like just sort of roughly tugs it out, and the other one just cuts it by pulling. Right. Um, so that's why it's really like efficient. It does it really fast, but it's also why it hurts your skin. You get razor burn. So that's why the extra blades don't do anything. They're, they're literally shit. just this ridiculous competition. Well, they just clog. To, yeah, they literally just clog and they actually pull against your skin more and and burn your skin more. Yeah, because it's like basically like it, when, you're, when you're shaving, it's like the bottom two blades are doing everything and then you're following with like three more blades on now kind of roughened skin. Mm. So you're then just adding to that whereas like a single blade even though it is a yeah. i've seen you have to use it it is a precision tool you have to yeah. know how to use it properly but you're actually you, you don't get razor burn yeah okay yes it's really interesting so if you the, basically now there's this countercultural shaving movement which i discovered <laughs> <laughs> which is bizarre everything's got to have a fucking label man yeah and the label <laughs> is wet shaving and i don't like it it's uh, what <laughs> it's wet shaving all right nobody google that yeah um, and it's basically it. all this old timey <laughs> stuff you use the old timey safety <clears throat> razor which is the one blade um, bowl and brush. A bowl and brush, which, lather. by the way, is significantly better than canned foam. Okay. Um, because of the higher fat content. Guys, just so listeners, if you're out there, we're about to get sued really hard by Gillette. So we do have a Patreon now. <laughs> hey, Gillette sold me the safety razor. Patreon.com. <laughs> yeah, okay, so Gillette then TMA brought back podcast. their original razor recently. Do they really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bought it. They saw the writing on the <laughs> they wall. They saw the writing on the wall. Exactly. Yeah. So like, and what's interesting about like, I spent a lot of time on like subreddit stuff for this because it's kind it's very hard to learn to use. It's very, it's almost prohibitively hard. I'm okay, going to be right. honest with you because yeah. it's, it is more likely to cut you. Yeah. Um, and it's a bit of a pain in the butt, but it looks really cool. And it's also, obviously there's an ecological thing and it's an anti-consumerist thing. And all of that is woven into a curiously, very, very masculine, extremely say, masculine. Yeah. Because, but the thing is <laughs> the straight razor, this razor, not the straight razor, sorry, the safety razor yeah. and the look of that, is like tied in with the same kind of tone that I see a leather chair, a cigar, and like a Volume Sixteen. <laughs> yes, it's in the yes. same. You know category. what I mean? It's like there's a bow tie somewhere at the end of this suspenders. You know what I mean? No, I Some, yeah. Like you would shave everything except your very curly mustache. It's like yes. there is there is a character around yeah. this particular. And thing. like the way that women get into it because they've had to make basically these same razors but with longer handles so that women can use them on their legs. Right. And um, it's actually it, that's actually becoming a bigger countercultural yeah. than the men's one yeah. because it's so much better. Because women use yeah. razors more. 
Yeah. Than men do typically on like on the scale because there's an expectation of shaved legs, an expectation of shaved armpits, mm-hmm. yeah. expectation of other shaved things. Yeah. There's an expectation of using these things. So you would go through razors like fucking wildfires. Yeah, of course, because they designed them to do they that. They designed them <laughs> yeah. for that. Yeah. And it's like the strips are dumb. The strips don't work, guys. The oh, lubrication yeah. strips do nothing. Sorry, worth saying, right? You buy a handle, it's a metal handle, you buy it once. The razors are like, I don't know, something like 15 cents each, essentially, when you buy them in bulk. No, no five shit. cents each. Yeah, they're like they're basically they're so nothing. cheap. You buy and, like like and fifteen bucks not, for hundred. So you're saying that the razors themselves, if recycled, how would you go about recycling that? Um, how do you salvage? I haven't actually looked into it because I can see you could, they're so small that you can store them for basically ever before you okay. have to. Think you need about to do it with through sharps. Yeah, okay. and there are razor blade because there's like and when they are recycled, my question smelted. is they could be broken down. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, so this is yeah. a non-plastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're they're just melted down and re-refined and then turned into blades again. This is a salvageable item. It's salvageable. Yes. The, and it the handle is even metal. The handle can also be broken down. There's I love no, this thing. It's just like when you get it wrong, it's also got bleeds a nice, your face real bad. It's got, a, <laughs> <laughs> it's got a really nice weight to it as well. Oh, it's so aesthetically pleasing. It's, it's, it's really so, lovely. You should try it. Oh my God, you guys yeah. have to try it. But I, I instantly it. have a bow tie when I use so, it. Like, I suppose, Foamy bow tie. The other, the other avenue that I think comes Wasn't up... Wasn't wearing counter- a shirt. Just <laughs> <laughs> counterculturally, and it's not really countercultural anymore, I feel, but like composting is that other thing that's sort of come up as like everyone's going like, wait, why are we not doing this? Yeah. Because 21% of people's rubbish is um, food scraps. Mm. And Whoa, I would say like way. about like 90... I would argue that if you have small kids... It's more than it's that. More than that. <laughs> yeah. but How many half-eaten bananas are just like... <laughs> I found one on the couch the other day. <laughs> it was in the couch. So, the first man in the couch. <laughs> so 50%... Wait, are you about to read something? No. So 50% of um, anyone's garbage bag can go into compost because you've got food scraps can go into compost, paper and paper cardboard can go into compost, yard trippings can go into compost, yeah. like bits of like sticks and branches, they all can go, they all contribute to the compost yeah. system because you need a mixture of green and brown. And if we want to go into it, we can, but it's it's all very technical. Yeah, like what exactly is it? It's camo. <laughs> it's camo. It's sneaky, oh, okay. sneaky dope. So essentially it's using microorganisms to take organic matter and transform it into essentially fertilizer slash soil. Right. Um, and it's oh. through organic waste, water and oxygen. Mm. And you need a combination of, so green waste is like carbon waste. So that's food, eggshells, coffee grounds, tea bags, paper napkins. Plant life. And then you need brown layer, which mm. is the nitrogen full, full stuff, which is like leaf litter, oh, that's lawn what that clippings, okay, right. <laughs> uh, pine needles, sawdust, leaves, that sort of and stuff. And you need a combination of those two. So you need a ratio of, I think it's 70-30. So, you so what you're telling me is dirt. Is life. Yes. And um, that's frightening yeah. news. And then dirt later is sexy. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the <laughs> I was going to say, the, um, the, one of the things that we do at home is that uh, we have a little worm farm. Worm farms back, are a great way. Great because, like, the thing is, we, we get all this worm tea, all of the, the disposable kind of like black liquid that comes out of the bottom, which is really good for composting and for, mm. for sorry, for fertilizing plants and stuff Absolutely. like that. Really, really great. But, like, the thing is, we barely use that. We don't really have that much of an extensive garden or, or plant to use it. And we do sometimes, but most of the time, we're just caring for our little boys. Yeah. Like little, you lift them up, you say, G'day, boys, how you doing? And yeah, you chuck them some food and they thrive. Yeah. And they're so. 
many of them. It's that's almost like, it's almost unnerving how that's many called there are. Vermicomposting. Vermicomposting. And, and now actually, I hate it. And and now we, I hate it. But it also the beautiful thing about that is you, you're actually composting a lot faster than if you were doing it in the other method. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Because you're you've got somebody processing it. it. <laughs> and also it doesn't do it at such high temperatures, so it actually compost piles. It's the same thing that happens in scrub turkey piles actually. Really? Compost piles can reach temperatures of thirty eight to sixty six degrees Celsius. Really? Whoa. They get hot. Because what? you're producing you're fry pro- an egg on that. <laughs> You could fry an egg. You on shouldn't that. do that. Don't do that. Guys, don't fry an egg. Because in the, the microorganisms are doing it through an aerobic process. So this gives off carbon dioxide, but it also gives off heat. Oh, it's an energy release. It's an energy release. Wow. And so it's entropy. And this is why you need to, this is why you need to stir your compost around a bit because mm-hmm. if it gets too hot, you can get it like Things can happen. That's bad. What? It's like the same thing. Oh, explosion! Like, like, yeah, things explosion. can. Yeah, a little bit, like a little bit of steam. Little lumpy. That's bang bang. Fucked. Yeah, uh, it's the same thing that happens to hay if it gets wet. It like turns it gets into a really, golem. It gets like really. <laughs> have you ever seen this actually? Turn ba- your compost. Bales of hay that catch on fire spontaneously because, because? they get wet. Because they're metal. Because they get wet, <laughs> right. and then they don't dry all the way through. So they've got the center, which microorganisms then thrive in and do this process: produce heat, produce heat, fire. produce heat Explode. until it catches fire. That's fucking amazing. Combustion. Because you didn't believe. So that's what composting is. And it's a really, it's actually one of those really um, easy, yeah. but seemingly also kind of difficult. Well, no, I, I, I think. If you've got a yard. It is, it's habit. Yeah, it's habit. It's habits. Like I was talking about this before, like I'm presently trying to break strange habits that, that developed in me through like the COVID era mm. of stuff of like being really insular and stuff like that. And stuff that's crept up on me that I wasn't aware of. You know, like not being social and things like that. And then all of a sudden realizing, holy fuck, what have I done? You know, I've got to change this. It's hard to break. And so it's like, it's really hard to break this stuff. If you've grown up in a culture where there is no recycling or composting seems absurd or foreign to you, it's really hard to start a habit of doing that. And it's really hard to kind of see the value in doing that. But then when you do start doing it, whether or not you have plants to Hmm. fertilize and shit, it is a really satisfying thing to do. Well, I mean, the bin method, right? So you're doing the the worm method. If Worms. you just have the compost bin that you literally, it's got a, it's got a, no base. You just put yeah. it on the ground. You fill it up with all the things. You do the layering. You have to like do a layer of green, layer of brown, layer mm. of green. You have to kind of dampen oh, yeah. it. There's class, classic like the classic uh, black ones. Black ones. And they like have an a upturned lid. garbage bin. Yeah. Mm. Um. Eventually, that'll get turned into soil, and you can just kind of like spread it around. Yeah. And it's. Fine, and or you could just keep it in there, and you can just because it reduces in size, like, and if you just keep turning it over, and eventually maybe you'll be able to. You might w- want to start like a raised garden bed, and then you've already kind of got this really rich soil, and that becomes a form of salvage that wouldn't be possible without it. Like if you say, yes. for example, took your cardboard and fucking took it to the recycling at the mm. at the tip and stuff like that. Only a certain percentage of that is able to be recycled. Yeah. If at all. Yes, um, absolutely. And again, we're not saying don't recycle, guys. Please. Please recycle. <laughs> Please recycle. You need to do it. Because it'll recycle some of it. Yeah. Like, and again, let's not fucking think zero sum about this shit, guys. Yeah, it's we, like, we're all doing what we can We're doing here, what we like, can. And there's community. Okay, the other thing too with composting, there. if you've got a community garden near you, which you, you may not have, but if you have a community garden near you, they almost certainly have compost bins because they rely on that compost to do their fertilization. Right. So, like, near us, we've got two community gardens, like, one's within walking distance, one's with a short drive. Mm-hmm. Both of them have compost bins. That is something that we could probably start doing. Granted, the last community garden did get flooded, so it's not taking compost right now. <laughs> but there are other ways that you can do yeah. that 
um, because we live in an apartment. We we don't have access to that. But there's also... Not the yard. best place to put a compost but bin. There's also, um, there is also technological um, advancement in this. You can have an indoor sort of like composting thing that like does it in like 24 hours. Right. Yeah, and it seals quite well. Seals really, really well. And like it actually processes it. Well, you know, it's funny because some of this sounds like very new, but really, and not to be too antiquarian about this, we're really just going back to an older thing. Yes. Like this is just like how humans lived because you had to compost everything if you were an agricultural society. So if you're a settled society with farming, like mm. you to keep everything. This feels to me like an adaptation. Like, again, I could be talking out of my arsehole um, and you guys can check. But, like, the <laughs> it feels like we had... So, we had, like, revolutions that led to, you know, mass production of stuff and then attitudes towards that as well as times of, of economic boom and things like that throughout the 20th century and just the availability of shit and also the kind of recklessness and carelessness of behavior that came with that have led to us being hugely wasteful and not kind of reusing and salvaging all of these things um, only to, to now find our way to kind of try and adapt to the new world that was built. Like we have had our adolescence of wastefulness. <laughs> yeah. And now we have to kind of enter into an adulthood of sorts of like, yeah. we are going to have to go like, yes, all of this stuff is readily available, but no, I'm not just going to chuck this out the window of my fucking car. Yeah. You know, this, this rubbish goes somewhere. Like, yes, I'm going to recycle. Yes, I'm going to trust that, you know, like I do as an individual have to do things, but I'm questioning whether the business that is telling me that this is the sustainable <laughs> way to do things is maybe not acting in my best interest. Yeah, you know? and you've got to look at like companies going, you could stop putting things in plastic bags. You could put things in cardboard, which would be a good movement towards in the right direction. The put phone is in- probably fine. The f- yeah, do you know what I mean? It's like It's like you don't have to be wrapping this in this way. You don't have to be presenting me this product in this way. Why are mm. you not changing the way that yeah. you're giving me goods? Exactly. Bananas yeah. are wrapped already. Yes. Um, and <laughs> don't mean, need plastic oh, wrap. And that is do like, you guys want your... I mean, you see it on the shelf. It's just like fucking do. organic bananas in a plastic tray <laughs> wrapped in plastic. Yeah, it's like you're completely undermining Nature your entire... <laughs> yeah, and so I kind of look at that and go, we... Like, yes, we should be recycling what we're doing. And we should be trying to do that. But also you should be maybe thinking about how yeah. you're giving us stuff as well. And what I what I love about um, this, the idea of salvage in the context of like modern recycling is that, yeah, there's these communal things we need to do. There's, there's definitely this political change that needs to happen. There's economic change and stuff that needs to happen. But like it's also something that we can actually do something about. Like there are things, we just listed so many things and it's only just getting started of just like mm. small small little actions that we can do our best, do our little bit mm. to get one less bit of plastic in the ocean. Without feeling as impotent as we do about other things. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? yeah. Like there's very little that I can individually do about climate change. Yes. You know, I mean like en masse, yes, we absolutely can, but me as an individual, yeah. I can't. But like me taking all of my food waste and, and fucking yeah. composting it. Yeah does make a difference. Turning your shirts into a pillow. Yeah. Do- <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. I never thought That's of really that. cool. So I think all in all, like to kind of, again, tie a bow on this little thing, I think that like we're living with a great deal of opportunity now to be that adult version of ourselves and to make changes that are not that big in terms of sacrifices. It's just being aware. Like, 
like we said in the sobriety episode, it's not even about alcohol there. It's about self-awareness and kind of looking at the things that you do and why you might be doing them, whether it's a cultural norm or whether it's something that you've been programmed with. These are things that we can shake loose of. It just takes time and a little bit of effort. Composting stuff at home is a good and, and wholesome and enjoyable thing. Looking at where your clothes are made and what they're made of is not hard. It is not a difficult thing to do. You know, I mean, repair, right to repair stuff is a bit more complicated, but, but now that you're aware of it, maybe it's something that you can look into as well. All I know is that discussing this just makes, reminds me that I want to live in a world where my impact on the world and the change that I can make on it is a positive one. I don't want to look back and go, holy shit, how much have I fucked up? Hmm. Like how many things have I made worse by touching them? You know, and, and I try and do that in every single part of my life, whether it's family and raising kids, whether it's in the music and the things that I write, whether it's this podcast, I would like my impact on the world to be a positive one. And I think that by salvaging and being more sustainable in these small ways that are not that hard, we can all ensure that that is the case for all of us. And I think that's really, really important. Thank you guys so much for listening. You rule. You're the best. Especially you. Yeah. You. <laughs> yes, you. <laughs> you Are you listening? Are you paying attention right now? <laughs> Thank you guys so much for being here. This has been really fun, really interesting, and kind of emotionally charged topic, actually, as it turns out. Um, can't wait to see you guys again. Thanks to, again to all of our Patreon subscribers for being freaking legends. We've got more minisodes coming your way as well. And in the meantime, it is goodbye from myself and the Sams. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, guys. Bye. Take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon.